Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt, and I'm a board-certified integrative and functional nutritionist. I live on the seacoast of New Hampshire and work with clients in my virtual practice all over the world through private consultations and online nutrition and functional medicine programs. Functional medicine nutrition is all about diving deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. And that's exactly what I tackle in this podcast. All things health, food, and nutrition. Unpacking current research and almost a decade of clinical experience. I love to bring experts and thought leaders to the table so we can all learn together. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive in. Hey buds, I'm back with an interview. Today I have Annie Hopkins. She's a physical therapist, a yoga teacher um, that really specializes in pelvic health. So we're going to talk about what that means. Uh, she works on the seacoast of New Hampshire and she's offering a super cool service where she will come to your house and she's working a lot with the postpartum moms. So that's like a godsend. <laughs> like I'm thinking back to when I was in that period and I could barely leave the house. So I just want to shout that out from the rooftops from the get-go. She is offering that service. So Annie developed a passion for helping pregnant and postpartum people feel more at home in their changing bodies through yoga. She also completed a prenatal yoga course back in 2010. Annie deepened her knowledge about perinatal pelvic health and wellness by becoming a pelvic health PT. I feel like pelvic health is getting a little bit more time in the sun, but it's still this big question mark. So I, I certainly want to dive into all of that with Annie today. She is currently working to become a certified birth healing specialist through the Institute of Birth Healing. So definitely want to hear about that. And um, Ayurvedic postpartum doula. So Annie's the host of the Postpartum Revolution podcast, where she talks with change makers who are working to create a better postpartum experience for birthing people in America. And that change is obviously super, super necessary, needed. Through her work, she strives to empower people with knowledge and self-confidence and help guide them on their path to wholesome healing using exercise, hands-on techniques, wellness information, and mindfulness practices. So before I pass the mic over to Annie and have her tell us a little bit more about herself, I want to um, explain how Annie and I met. We met through my friend, Dr. Kristen Zames, who is a woman's um, pelvic floor expert, physical therapist. I've had her on the show before, episode 53, When Your Doctor Doesn't Believe Your Pain. Um, I got to interview Kristen. So that's a great episode. I highly recommend tuning into that one. And through that introduction, Annie actually joined the beta group for your hormone revival. So the first round that I did, she was in that. So we got to connect that way and we stayed in touch. And more recently, she joined my beauty counter team. Our goal together is to build out this team of wellness professionals to continue to expand on that because in my opinion, you really can't talk about hormones in female wellness without talking about environmental toxins, including those found in personal care products, because so many of them, of them are endocrine disruptors. So they scramble up your hormones um, 
Now, I love me a good disruptor, but not when it comes to my hormones. So Annie and I have been having a lot of conversations lately, and we continue to come back to this idea of depletion. We just kept talking about how we saw that play out in the clients that we were working with. Um, I've been talking a lot about adrenal burnout here on the show, um, on Instagram, on my social media feeds, a lot of cortisol chatter, and the response has been pretty significant, um, meaning that a lot of people are experiencing this, especially right now. So I wanted to, Annie and I are voxing back and forth all the time, and I really wanted to bring our conversation to the podcast. I thought it would be an interesting overlap with the postpartum stuff that she's been doing, um, because that's, for me, that's when my adrenal issues really flared up. Um, and I didn't know then what I know now in terms of HPA access, adrenal health, and how to support myself there or where even to build in the support. So I didn't. And that's really when everything came crashing down for me and my health was during that postpartum time. So Annie and I really share a similar mission and that we want to support people feeling their best. So welcome to the show, Annie. Thank you for being here. Yeah, Erin, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so excited to be here. You know, you were like, oh, hey, do you want to maybe talk about your hormone revival and like postpartum stuff? And I was like, all day. I'll talk about it all day. Let's do, go. <laughs> are you excited to be on the other end of the microphone? You know, this is the first time I've been interviewed. Um, I've been doing a lot of interviewing for the Postpartum Revolution podcast. So yeah, this is going to be kind of cool. So I want to talk about your work and how you got into that. But before we do that, um, I'd love to hear your experience. Specifically, what was it about your hormone revival that made you want to sign up? What were you experiencing in your own body and in your own life that made you think, hmm, this is something that maybe I should do? Yes. So 2019 was a big year for me. I shifted my professional career into the pelvic health world full time. So I was learning a lot and learning that like when you're 37 and it's it's different than learning when you're 22 in college. But anyway, that and then I was planning a wedding and we were planning a move, buying a house, all of these things. And I was and I was working a bunch of jobs and just whew, I was running. But you know what? In this fast paced productivity America, I was like, yes, doing the things, checking the boxes, look at me go prioritizing and just like getting it done. Like I was running and I was starting to feel like I was running on fumes, but I couldn't complain, right? Because like these were all good things. How could I complain about this? And so, um, like you said, I we were introduced through uh, Kristen and, you know, I kept seeing your name on the little whiteboard at the office and I was like, huh. And I'd been dealing with gut issues, like the vague bucket term of gut issues for probably about a decade. I became lactose intolerant in like 2010-ish and maybe 2009 and traditional Western medicine like did nothing for me. Um, they were like, well, we can give you a colonoscopy to check if you to make sure you don't have colon cancer. And I was like, well, that's cool. Um, but why am I like bloated every time I eat kale or legumes? And so I've been trying like elimination diets and FODMAP and like all of the things, cleanses and blah, blah, blah. And it was like I had a tenuous grasp on it, I felt. But that in, over in the past year of 20, like 2019, that just kind of I lost that grasp of, of control. And I was like, wait a second, 
these foods used to be fine and now like I'm reacting left and right. Like I know I react to dairy, but what the heck? This is this is not dairy and made in my own kitchen. So I was getting more and more frustrated, but didn't have time to do that. And then again, I kept walking past your name on this little whiteboard, Aaron Holt, office hours. And I finally looked into your programs. And the first one I actually bought was the Fueled and Fit. I think you've rebranded that. Um, totally. Yeah. It's yeah. to achieve, but same, same program really. Yes. And that actually started making my gut feel better. And I was like, wow, this really works, you know? And I consider myself like, like I'm not a, I'm not a know-it-all, but like I had been trying my hand at that stuff at healing my own gut for like a decade. And here's this one program that like, phew, straight to the heart. And I was like, wow, I'm feeling better already. This is cool. And then I remember when I signed up for the hormone revival, because I think you had mentioned like some of the signs of hormone imbalance or imbalanced cortisol. And you just posted it again um, on Instagram today. And I read through that list, you know, last year and I was like, holy shit, I can check at least half of these boxes. Stressed, exhausted and burned out, anxious, irritable, not sleeping, tired and wired, trouble falling asleep, no energy or motivation to exercise, no sex drive. Um, and things just like, you know, the, the emotionally exhausted, like things that I could handle, like minor life stressors that came up, I could handle it, but they were like devastating me. And I felt like I didn't know who I was anymore. And it's a really whacked out feeling um, to lose these like personal markers because so I'm a physical therapist. I understand like broken bones and like these these physical external losses of function. But these internal things were like wild. And I was my poor brain was just beating itself up. I was like, I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not doing enough. Like before I started um, Your Hormone Revival, I had just missed the deadline because I was a stupid, lazy procrastinator. Thanks, brain, um, for signing up for a 30 day hot yoga challenge, because that's what I thought would like get me back feeling myself again. You know, like I was too lazy. I wasn't exercising enough. Like I know I ate too many cookies over the holidays and haven't really had the time to exercise. But last July, when I went and hiked Mount Major, for anyone who's local in the area, you know what it is. Um, but for the rest of you, like it's just a moderate hike. Like five-year-olds will like run around and run up to the top of this mountain. It's gorgeous views of Lake Winnipesaukee. But I was shaky. I was sweating. I was nauseous. I had to stop every like five minutes and sit down and like... I was like, I've, I've been an athlete my whole life. And it was, I was just like, I couldn't get a grip. And then we were driving home from this glorious wedding weekend, honeymoon. We were driving home and I saw your like last call for this thing. And I was like, I have to do it. I have to do it. Um, and so I did. And it was exactly what I needed. Like, I can't, if anyone like mentions anything to me about feeling fatigued or depressed. I'm like, have you thought about your adrenals? <laughs> I'm like that cool girl at the party that no one wants to talk to anymore. <laughs> adrenals. Let's talk about adrenals. Have you, did you ever think about this? Like it is not normal. And the more that I like stepped back away from my scenario and looked at it, I was like, this is what society, like I almost did a hot yoga class and now I'm being told to like eat healthy proteins and fats and basically hibernate. So for all of you who are going to join this September, it really, it was the perfect time for me because I was so happy that I could like ease into it and then literally hibernate. 
like take naps and restore and replenish my body internally and then emerge in the spring and then flourish in the summer. Like it felt so good. So you all are in for a real treat. You're going to be working with the seasons too. (laughs) (laughs) No, working with the seasons is in like just the different cycles of of, uh, nature. The cycles of the moon is just so restorative on so many different levels. It Mm -hmm. opens up a whole new channel. Um, I, I liked what you said because this is something that I hear often and I'm sure you do too about, um, I used to be able to handle this Mm -hmm. because I think when, you know, we, we grow so accustomed to going, 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 you know, maybe it's like training for a marathon and, um, putting in long hours and reducing our sleep. You know, maybe we're sleeping six hours a night so we can get up early to train for a marathon to then get in the car and drive to work and high function and be a mom and like, and, 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 and we can keep going for a while. We can keep going for a while. We can keep going for a while. And then all of a sudden we're like, what's wrong with me? Something's terribly wrong. I used to be able to handle this. And, and, and we think that there's something that we're like there, that's something we're doing wrong or we're, we're lazy. Or like you were saying, like, maybe it's just cause I'm out of shape or something. I'm not doing enough exercise. And what really happens is that your body can, can run on fumes to use your terminology for a while but eventually those fumes run out and then you got to do something different and I know I feel like a broken record because I say all the time the things that got got you into a depleted state are not going to be the things that help you recover recovery is entirely possible but it usually requires some change um and not necessarily not everyone has to hibernate not everyone has to take naps but some people do you know that's what your recovery looked like for sure yeah and that was a really big shift because you know we always say like you know it's it's brave to ask for help and i preach that and i practice that like i reached out to aaron holt and i bought this program and i asked for help But you know what? It was like it was deeper than that. I needed to ask for help, um, like sustaining our household. I like had to ask my husband, like, is it okay if I drop down to part time hours? Not like he's this dictator, like he has to do all the things. But I was like, I'm going to fail someone like I'm not living up to my half of this bargain. Like I need to like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, like and I had to ask for help in these ways that were just like really terrifying to me you know so I got married like later in life right like I just got married last year so at 36 and from 21 to 36 or whatever like I have been my own independent woman like you know shoes on my feet I bought them like for a decade at least and here I am now depending on a man like I had a lot of things pop up where I was just like wow that was that is is was part of my identity and like those are the kind of habitual shifts that need to happen and they were just like so wild and like deep and terrifying but the really cool thing about the hormone revival is like you planned for that right there is a facebook group you were available in this facebook group other women going through similar shit were available in this facebook group and you kind of like gave us a warning, like, hey, like, I love your bathtub analogy, like, hey, turn off the stress faucet so that maybe you have a chance of not drowning in the bathtub. (laughs) Um, So it it just really was such an eye opener. And it, it showed all of the conditioning that we've been put through as, you know, strong, empowered women in America. 
And I had to kind of like redefine that for myself. But again, with support. So like, again, thank you. How long do you want me to talk about how much help you gave me? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's an important important thing is the support piece because what I find on my end of things right leading women through this program um, and working with women for the past 10 years is that we put a cap on our healing so we're like okay I'm going to give myself six weeks and then everything will be better right and the number one question that I get in this program is like okay how long before this works right if I'm mm-hmm. so um, I asked I'm, I asked you that. <laughs> it's like every, everybody wants to know. That's like human nature, right? How long? So we can plan for it. We can prepare our brains for it. And, you know, we get that um, you, you go through the testing. So I'm able to analyze the test. And then I create a protocol based on the based on the data. And that is the question is like, all right, so like how long am I on this protocol before I start to feel better? And it's, you know, it's we put this cap on ourselves. Like if I can do it in this period of time, then I'll do it. And that's not really how healing happens. It's a little bit more open-ended. And that's where where people can start to freak out because we're so attuned to the quick fix and we're so accustomed to thinking that the quick fix actually exists because it's sold to us. It's pushed down our throats all the time over and over and over again. Just do this 30-day yoga challenge or cleanse or whatever and everything will be fine so we think about things in increments of like 21 days or 30 days and (laughs) it's not really how the human body works if it took you five years or 10 years to get into this position that you're in it's it's not going to have this immediate rebound effect in you know 21 days unfortunately and I feel like if you're doing it in a group of people and you have the support built in it makes you feel less crazy because you can do those check-ins like is this normal is this normal and then to continuously hear yeah this is normal what you're experiencing is right it you it is correct you are not wrong you're not yeah. broken. You don't need to be fixed. This is this is it. This is where you're supposed to be. I think that just makes it so much easier to go through. Yeah. And and it really helped me slow down in trying to check the box, right? Because I'm a doer, right? I get it done. I plan it out. I get it done. It's done. So I'm like, all right, healing from adrenal fatigue. Because for me, I had low cortisol. And that's not the case for everyone. But, um, you know, all right. So I'll, I'll get it done in three months. I'll get it done. Oh, you know, she's saying it take a long time. So like, I'll put that checkbox out there for six months when really like, I don't even know what the answer is now, but like, it's been a year and I feel better. Um, but, but it's not even like, it was such a big, like seismic shift in my life. I don't even know what my markers are anymore. Like, do I feel like I did before? Am I back to normal air quotes? No. Am I finding a new normal? Yeah, I guess. Like, it's just this whole, you know, exercise in constant, like, vulnerability and checking in and accepting and, you know, applying worth, worthiness to your being no matter where you land. So... Well, the back to normal thing is an interesting one because that is something that everybody can relate to right now in this exact moment as we navigate COVID together as a nation. And it's this, this, that's the storyline is like back to normal, back to normal. And then we have people raging against that saying, hey, normal actually wasn't working so great for a lot of us. So the return to normal isn't going to happen and it shouldn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we can apply that same principle here. It's like, how was normal, you know, using the air quotes, how was normal working out for you? 
right. Like mm-hmm. normal landed you here. Normal <laughs> landed you in a depleted state. So maybe normal isn't the goal. Getting back to normal, it's it's creating a new storyline for us. Um, and as driven women, you and I, as driven women, that's that's real fucking hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not easy. So I feel with I with adrenals, it's this constant dance of like checking in. Um, you know, reassessing, trying to realign. It's not a set it and forget it, right? It's not a box to be checked. Um, But you get the tools to learn how to continuously check in and assess, like, how's this working for me? Yes or no? Like, do things need to shift? All that, all that kind of jazz. So it sounds like you, the big things that you implemented over the course of three months was being able to ask for help, uh, or being willing to ask for help and then taking the help when it was offered. Um, sleeping more, it sounds like you got some more sleep in and then maybe reducing your workload. Was there anything else big, like big, chunky takeaways that you would want to pass on to somebody else? Um, I followed the nutrition plan and the supplements. Like I, I did those things, you know, like just like sleeping with your textbook under your pillow didn't make you prepared for the test tomorrow. Like just having a list of supplements and having a, a, you know, an ebook of recipes isn't going to change things. So like I actually did it. I had like (laughs) pill cases. I was taking, you know, supplements like three times a day, all the time. Like you have to do it. You know, you have to do the physical stuff too. And yes, it's hard. And slowing down is just, is, is hard, but it has to be done. And the other big work that I had to do was preparing myself to stop moving and stop exercising and stop fighting my body, um, which is hard for women everywhere. Again, like we're conditioned into this body shame since forever. And the the other really wild shift that I've noticed is that, so now that I'm on quote, the other side of it, I guess, um, like I've, I have put on weight and I knew this was going to happen. That's my body constitution. My body's like, oh, you want to eat more calories and rest? Like we'll just fluff right up. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, it's not, and that's fine. And so I've always been an exercise athlete kind of person. Right. And it's been good. Um, but then exercise was taken away. And this is something that, that new like do new moms struggle with so much exercise is taken away from you and then you're terrified i'm gonna gain weight i don't feel comfortable in this body all of this stuff and because there was so much explanation there was labs there was data behind all of this i you know my after my hibernation session um emerging in the spring as a sleepy little bear um i'm heavier than i used to be and there's this voice in my head she's still there and she's like, "Ugh, look at this. Like, we have to size up in clothing now. Like, look at these rolls, blah, blah, blah. But this, there's this, and this is like this crazy, um, like revolutionary place that I've, I've finally gotten to after struggling for 37 years. 32. I mean, let's say I haven't had body issues like my entire life, right? Like kids don't have them. So I'll give myself till five. So 30, 32 years of struggling with body image and this mean voice, she's still there, but now she's like a bad actress in like a lifetime movie. And I'm like, you are so not believable. Like she says the things I'm like, eh, 
I'm no longer interested in what you have to say because my body restored itself with nutrition and supplements, because my hormones are balanced, because I'm sleeping better, because my sex drive is returning, because I have emotional depth and I feel like I have stability in who I am as a human instead of being like whipped around by like in, like a ragdoll in the wind or something like that. So all of those things have finally like taken more weight and more of my attention than the size shirt that I have to buy and the size jeans that I have to buy. And I, it's amazing. I was like, wow, this shit really works. And that's why I'm now that girl at parties. I'm like, so guess what? We can actually shut that girl up. I mean, she's still there. The The mean girl is still there in my head. But like I said, I'm just like, I just don't believe you. That's terrible acting. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. And it's it's such a um, it's such a procedure to get there, too, because it's just like deconditioning work, like real yeah. deep deconditioning work, because these are these aren't like messages you once heard that you're fighting against. These are messages that you hear over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, every time I've cleaned up my social media feed, so I don't mm -hmm. I'm not targeted. I don't see this stuff. But even f seeing friends and family, you know, like it's still like getting my my baby body back or my post baby body like it's mm -hmm. it's so like baked into our society and our culture that it's like it's impossible to escape so yeah um, i love the analogy of a, a bad actress <laughs> that people can take and run with um so with the postpartum stuff um cuz you had alluded to some women losing this like sense of identity, right? If, if somebody's a mover and a shaker or an athlete or somebody who moves their body a lot and then all of a sudden that gets sort of taken away from them because they're home with a, a baby or, you know, maybe they're in recovery from giving birth or having a C-section or they simply don't have the time. <laughs> Mm -hmm. that that was the that was the big reality check for me I was like oh where did all my time go like you get zero free time right so there's a lot of shifts that happen and um let's talk a little bit about about that identity crisis maybe that might arise after after giving birth that you might see yeah I mean it, it all starts with even just being told you can't right? Mm, yeah. You can't do this. Your body can't. And so now we're instantly put into these feelings of restriction, loss, failure. And we don't allow women to grieve this. We don't have a moment of grief in postpartum. Grief is supposed to only be for um, whenever you have infant loss or like a, a literal death. That's when you grieve. You grieve a literal death. But we need to allow this space to grieve our prior identity. You know, we, we're being told we can't. We're in this body that is, it feels different and moves different. And there's pain and there's fatigue and there's burnout and there's no support and there's no help. And it's, I find that a lot of women have a hard time even like labeling that because uh, labeling, I guess labeling that in general, but also labeling that as something outside of their control. You know, it's like, it's this other thing that's crept in. It's not your personal 
failures. It's these conditions. It's the literal fact that like your hormones have shifted, your pelvic floor has stretched, your abdominal wall has stretched and and or been, you know, cut for a C-section. So all of those things are, you know, we need to overcome, right? We need to get out there, get better, get back, do more, right? Handle it all, super mom, like be a boss, hustle it on and like grind, fries and grind, like all that bullshit. Have I, do I sound like an old lady yet? Like hustle and grind, kids. <laughs> Isn't that what the kids say these days? Definitely, they're saying that. They're definitely saying that. I'm pretty sure. On TikTok, they're saying that. Is that what they're saying on the TikToks? <laughs> but, you know, so we, we try to pick up those things, but then we hear, you can't. And so now, like, we, our hands are tied and we don't have anyone coming in for support and we feel like shit and we don't even know. And I found that when women understand their bodies, they get it done. Like, they get shit done. When you understand the process, you achieve the result, right? So it's like, hey, have you ever thought how furiously your cells are working to repair the tissues that have been stretched or cut? Like, that takes cellular energy, right? Um, that's why you feel tired, because you're also producing breast milk. And if you're not producing breast milk, then you are awake at all hours of the night. Like, you just, we don't have conditions for healing. And yet we're being told to heal within a six-week time frame, even though it took nine months to grow the kid. And so we're just lost, right? We're lost in a sea of flexing hormones, and we don't know who we are anymore. And I think that can be the most devastating thing you know I do know I mean I know from <laughs> personal experience I I didn't have postpartum depression I definitely had some anxiety but not nearly as bad as as some people get it but I what I I joke that I had postpartum confusion it's not really a joke because <laughs> I was like lost and like who am I you know like I there was there was no um, space to grieve my former self and yet my former self was no longer there it was replaced by this new person that was supposed to be in charge of like, another living thing and like how do I fit into this world how do I s slot in how do I work like what do I work do I do I work do I not work thank god I have my husband is like the most is like super supportive anything that I I want to do he supports so I'm very lucky there but going through that and just I, I didn't know where I fit into the world anymore and it, there wasn't really a whole lot of um resources available for that like nobody was really talking about that every I just felt like I was failing because everything that I saw was like super happy moms bombing around with like at like play dates and I was like in the fetal position on a couch smelling like cheese because of like breast milk was all over the place you know I'm like I'm like this doesn't feel right but like nobody else nobody else is talking about this so what is going on here yeah there, it's just like a, a massive shock to the system. I mean, and never mind. And then I started to feel, I, w I mentioned earlier that that's when the adrenal stuff kicked in, but I didn't have a name for it. I didn't have a, a terminology for it. I didn't really have a lot of information about it. I was just like, I know I feel bad and it feels like it's like worse than it should feel. And yet when I went to my doctors, I kind of just was hearing, well, this is like normal. This is normal. You just had a baby, you know, this, this, you're just tired and stressed. This is normal. And so I just kept hearing that over and over. I'm like, but for like, how long though? Like, how long am I supposed to feel like this? How long is it normal to feel like this? It's, 
it's P.S. It's not normal. Right. (laughs) Right. It's because you don't have support, right? There's no support in place. You need support. Exactly. And, and that, that word right there, normal, this is normal. You're fine is what led me to create the postpartum revolution podcast, because I'm sitting here saying like, yes, this is, this is normal. We need to find better language around that because it's like you said, it's not, but it's not, not normal. Like there's something wrong with you. Right. You know, it's, it's okay that you're in this state, but I was just so tired of this like crappy normal thing. And then I'm like, wait a second, hold on time out. What the fuck are we doing sitting here telling people that being stressed, anxious, alone, depleted is normal because you had a baby? Like, no, we need to change the definition of normal. We need to like who what kind of normal system if that were the result of any other system (laughs) or product of any other like anything, we would be like, well, that's total shit. And the system, the product, the process needs to change. But here we are with motherhood and childbirth. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's normal. Oh, sorry. Oh, you well, your back hurts. Oh, you had a baby. Oh, you pee your pants. Yeah, everyone pees their pants after they have a baby. Oh, you're exhausted and sleep deprived and can't even get a minute to pee or poop by yourself. Yeah, welcome to motherhood, sis. And that is the part that's bullshit. You know, there's been this this little meme thing going around on the internet. I really do sound like I'm 80. You do. But... <laughs> you do. You know, and it's like, if I see if one more mother complaining about how hard motherhood is, I'm going to support her because motherhood is hard. And that's what we need. You know what I mean? Like, we need to take this quote unquote normal bullshit and be like, yes, honey, you are in the majority and we need to step our game up so that you don't feel like this. I also think that there's this like forgetting. So I'm, uh, my daughter is six now. So it's, you know, been six years of recovery and forgetting. And in a similar way that you really forget about the pain of childbirth, like that's like, that's like a legit thing. Like within a few days, I was like, I would do that again. I would totally do that again. You know, like, and I had like a, not a great birth. Well, it's just, I was in labor for three days. So that's why it wasn't great. Mm -hmm. The birth experience itself was completely fine. Um, but I also will admit that I kind of have moved so far away from the postpartum stuff that I've kind of forgotten how hard it was. Like when I think about it and sit with it, like I remember like I can feel it in my bones, but there's like this forgetting. And I feel like the longer you go, the, the more you forget some of it or maybe just bury it deep, 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 deep deep in a well (laughs) deep in the body (laughs) um but deep in the pelvis that's where that goes it goes into your pelvis and your pelvic floor muscles that's okay we have to we have to come back to that because you can you have little tricks to get that shit out (laughs) um but i i feel like we hear from the from older generations or from women who have had babies like you know 10 years ago 20 years ago whatever it's like it's kind of like it's all worth it. You know, one day you'll miss these years. We get a lot of that. So then we're like, okay, so I really shouldn't complain. I shouldn't voice my concern about this because now I start to feel like an ingrate in some ways too. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's a very bizarre time where I feel like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, you can't really say anything right. Um, it's, it's, it's the postpartum time is like wild. I just feel like we just do a real disservice to to postpartum mothers in our country like in a massive way yeah so you obviously agree with that because your whole podcast like that's the jump off (laughs) the postpartum revolution um Uh, yes 
So, so can you, let, let's talk a little bit more about what you do. Um, okay. So if we're talking about lack of support, how do we start to build that support? And I definitely want to talk about the, like the specific hands-on work that you do. Um, but just in general, how do we build in that support? You know, we, we normalize having a team of support or healthcare professionals, you know, doulas are amazing supports. You know, I've talked with a couple of doulas on my podcast and one of them says, you know, doulas are the women of the village helping the women of the village. And, you know, that's something that has not been modeled to our generation. Like if we kick it back to like the fifties and the housewives where the men went to work and the women stayed home, you know, then you had your neighborhood coming over for coffee or making you a casserole or, you know, watching the baby while you go take a shower or whatever. Like that was built in also because that we were in a time where single income families could thrive, which is no longer the case. Um, But anyway, so that kind of support, just that community support, because I even see it now just with with a lot of different things, childbirth, you know, uh, loss or um, injury or anything like that. People take a step back. They're like, oh, I don't want to bother her. I'm going to give her space. She's probably embarrassed or whatever. And so we remove ourselves out of politeness and we really should be leaning in, moving in, offering support, coming over and quietly doing the dishes and leaving, whatever. Um, so that's one thing. And then the healthcare system, man, don't it, they, we, I'm part of it and I apologize for the rest of the healthcare system, but like we need to recognize where we're doing harm and we need to stop it essentially. And we need to normalize like if I hear one more time, you know, um, my my OB or my PCP or my urologist was like pelvic floor PT. I mean, I guess if you feel like going because the patient has already been a nuisance being like, hey, can you write me a referral for pelvic floor PT? And they're like, yeah, I guess, whatever. Try it out, you wackadoo. Like, OK, thanks. Like, how about we normalize having lactation counselors, pelvic floor PTs? maternal mental health counselors, a follow-up visit that's more than five seconds telling you that you can go back to do everything at your six-week mark. You're like, all right, cool. You're healed. You're ready for life. Oh, but take it slow. But go ahead and do anything. Don't be scared, but be careful. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And these women show up in my office and they're like, what does that even mean? And PSA, medically what that six-week checkup is looking at is has your vagina has your uterus has your perineal area healed are your stitches healed if you tore did the area where your placenta detached from the uterus did that heal up because if not that sets conditions for uh you know a potential like internal wound which is very very bad right and that's why they're like don't do anything for six weeks because you have all of these fresh wounds but then at six weeks they're like everything's fine and that's great But that doesn't mean like everything is fine. Your hormones aren't stable. Your ligaments aren't back. Your muscles aren't strong. Your sleep is not back on point. Like there are so many things that are not like ship shape, but just this one super really important thing is. So that's what that six week checkup is really looking at. But the languaging around that too just sets it up for like, oh yeah, you're fine. And then you're sitting here going, I don't feel fine. Right. What's wrong with me? I need to try harder. I should get back to the gym sooner. I need to restrict my calories more because I'm still too fat. Like, it's heartbreaking. And so I, you know, 
come on my podcast. Like if you are someone in the healthcare profession who is bucking this system, I want to talk to you. I want to amplify your message because we need this to saturate the healthcare world, not just be a couple of like good eggs hanging around and like, oh, you're lucky to have crossed paths with. So support and everyone needs a team and you don't need to be a problem child to get your team. That's, I think, what support looks like. Like everyone just standard check the boxes. P.S. It happens in other countries. This isn't really a wild or revolutionary idea, except it is because America. So <laughs> it's, it, that's what needs to happen so that women feel normal in support in asking for support. You know, it's here's your team no matter what. You don't have to have your bladder falling on the floor and an infected C-section scar in order to ask for medical help. (laughs) The normalizing the healthcare team is such an important point to underscore. And it's not just true in postpartum because this is true. This really should be true across the board. It's so uh, fragmented and isolated healthcare. It's like we go to our primary care doctor, we get the referral to the specialist. If that specialist doesn't work, then we get a referral to another specialist. Nobody's talking to each other. You might have notes in a system that like cross over, but that's about it. It's like specialist and specialist and specialist. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned through my health struggles over the years is I have so many people on my team. I have so many people in my healthcare team. And I even see this um, like brought to me um, oftentimes in my practice where uh, people will come to me and they'll say like, I don't trust my doctors. I don't, I, I, I've, I've seen all these specials. I don't know what to do. And I'm just hoping that you can be the person to like, you know, pull it all together for me. And I kind of like, oh, listen, even I have to be part of a team. Like, you know, get your get mental health on board, get a therapist, you know, get some energy work. Maybe you do need a GI specialist for that colonoscopy if you're bleeding out your bum. Like there, there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, pull in the team, the more, the, 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 the merrier, especially if we're dealing with these like chronic ongoing system um, symptoms. But back to postpartum, um, Right. I was so lucky that, and I I didn't realize how lucky I was at the time, but in hearing people's stories, um, in the, over the past six years, I realized I got really, really lucky. My, that I had this wonderful lactation consultant because breastfeeding didn't come easily for me. I had, um, black and blue nipples for like six weeks. I had to use nipple shields. It was, it was really bad. I was driving, 35, 40 minutes to go see the lactation consultant once a week. My mom was driving me actually. And uh, just because I I didn't, it, I, I didn't know what I was doing and it wasn't going well and blah, 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 blah. But I was so lucky that I had that support. And at the time my mom lived around the corner for me. My aunt lived close by. So I had people that could drop in and just offer me the emotional support through this like really challenging thing. Um, but let's, so I, I just want to say that 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 is you are not a failure if you need more than one person. Like you have to bring in all of the people. Like you need that. That should be a normal thing as you navigate challenging times. Um, you keep talking about pelvic floor, which makes sense because you are a pelvic floor PT. Uh, we don't really know a lot about it. So like, what's up? What's going on as we carry a baby and? I mean, even you were talking to me and saying, even though I'm six years postpartum, there can still be some like pelvic floor issues if it's like never corrected. So like, what's all that about? Yes. So pelvic floor is not well known. It's so not well known that when I was in physical therapy school in the, I went from 2000 to 2006 
And back then, as we went through our anatomy classes, um, the pelvic floor was just glossed over. Um, it's like we talked about the pelvis as attachments for hips and glutes and, you know, the, the bones that can be fractured if you fall down the stairs. And then we moved on because the pelvis was a non-PT area, air quotes. And this is only, again, this is in the early 2000s. So if you ever feel guilty about not knowing what anything about your pelvic floor, um, don't, because I literally took an anatomy class as a physical therapist and it was glossed over. So yes, it's a sling of muscles, right? That are the floor of our torso. Okay, so right where the, the genitals are, just inside a little bit is this nice little hammock of muscles that slings between our pelvic bones. So you can, it's often um, likened to a bowl. The pelvic bones are the rim of the bowl. And then the bottom is the soft muscular hammock. And it's muscles that we should have voluntary control over. So that means whenever we say, okay, contract this muscle, it contracts. And when we say, okay, relax that muscle, it relaxes, right? Just like your bicep, just like your quads, just like your calf muscle. You should have this mapped out in your brain for um, voluntary control. A side note, we don't because we don't know about it. And there's so much shame in the pelvic world, right? Like it's, you know, how many, how many times I hear from women like, oh, I just feel dirty down there. Like if they're describing their prolapse or they're ashamed or they apologize like five different times, backwards, sideways, up and down. Like, I'm so sorry you have to look at that. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff embedded in our pelvic floor. Um, and usually it's not great. It's usually shame and fear and all of that. So they're just muscles and PTs help rehabilitate muscles, right? So as we prepare for childbirth, we need to know how these muscles work. We need to be able to say contract and we need to say relax because as they relax and open, that allows the bones to shift and widen the birth outlet so that that baby can pass through. Um, so relaxing in our modern day world is not a thing that we do well and that translates right into our pelvic floor and if you want to if you're wondering <laughs> the state of your pelvic floor a quick little check is if you clench your jaw and grind your teeth and are always you know clenching through there it's really likely that you're clenching your pelvic floor too shit <laughs> right <laughs> damn it <laughs> hate to break it to you um and that's not you know that's not the gold standard of medical analysis but <laughs> In case you're curious about your tendencies, you clench one, you clench the other. And so with birth, we need to do this opening and this letting go and relaxing. And whenever we, our pelvic floor has known nothing but clenching, that can be difficult. Um, and then postpartum pelvic floor, again, these muscles have either been, you know, stretched out by a baby passing through, or they've been stretched and strained over nine months and even like a C having a C-section does not spare your pelvic floor. Um, it's just probably, you know, it's just different. It's not better or worse. Um, and so those muscles, again, need to just be retrained. You know, here's how you contract. Here's how you relax, right? Because whenever we cough or sneeze or jump or run, 
our pelvic floor muscles need to contract to add a little, a little support down there so that we don't leak pee or poop. Um, and whenever we are purposefully peeing and pooping, like we're going to the bathroom, we need to have those muscles relax so that, you know, we can poop and we can pee comfortably. So it's, you know, this concept of pelvic physical therapy around the childbirth, around the perinatal period is, um, just not really known it's not talked about and it seems completely crazy and foreign but again if we look back into like the normal pt world like if you're going to have knee if you tore your acl and you're going to have knee surgery what do they do they send you to prehab right they a good surgeon will send you to preoperative physical therapy so that you optimize your knee function and strength and range of motion and you get fitted for crutches and you're told what's going to happen and you're you know the healing process and there's a whole freaking protocol Childbirth is also a pretty damn big deal, right? Like it's also this really radical, wild physical shift. And we're finding, um, anecdotally, sadly, we're like we're trying to get some research behind this too, but like we're finding that whenever you see a pelvic floor physical therapy during your pregnancy and you're taught how to use your pelvic floor muscles and you're optimized and you're like prepared you talk about your postpartum plan you talk about like what's coming up what the recovery period is like and then you see that pt again after childbirth you're gonna feel and recover like so much better right and it just whenever i say this to people they're like oh yeah my i went to prehab and then post-operative pt and we just need to set this model of care that is proven to be successful in the orthopedic world into the childbirth world. So that's what I do. I would imagine, so you were talking about the, the pelvic floor um, needing to be, uh, you needing to relax it and tighten it at the appropriate times or contract it, I guess would be a better term to use, um, at the appropriate times. So would this, would this, in your experience, do you find that um, a tight pelvic floor factors into constipation? Yes, or ma'am. Could it? Okay. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Constipation or even um, fecal incontinence when you lose control of your feces. And that can be, um, well, first of all, that's like shocking and mortifying. And like, you know, we don't talk about some things. Oh, we do not talk about pooping our pants involuntarily. Mm. But it happens and it can happen post baby. Right. And so like, dear Lord, the queen of shame here we are but anyway that can also be because of a tight pelvic floor because a a muscle that's in spasm doesn't function right like if you can't you know un if you can't straighten your elbow to reach for something because your bicep is in spasm all the time like that doesn't work that's not a functional tool of your body and it's the same thing with the pelvic floor if that is tight if that is in spasm it's no longer able to function so you don't have power like if you grip your hand as tightly as you can and then someone says okay you need to hang on tighter you're like i physically can't do that that's what your poor pelvic floor is doing it's clenched and then it's like all right you need to do more work you know or in the case of fecal incontinence it's like okay this load of stool has gotten so great that it can't hold up the weight anymore and it just lets go and i know that you see a lot of um like peeing pants postpartum 
mm-hmm. or like jumping on a trampoline, pee my pants. I mm-hmm. laugh or sneeze, I pee my pants. I, I mean, for all of my health issues, that has never been an issue for me. So I can't speak to it, but I just know that you see a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that one is probably the most normalized postpartum symptom out there. I've talked to women who literally, like everybody, every childbearing person that they know leaks a little in one of those scenarios. And so when it happens to them, they're just like, oh, well, curse of the woman. Here we go. Childbirth means peeing my pants for the rest of my life. And there is so many things that I I don't want to say easy, but like we're not we're not doing rocket science here. Like this is a solvable condition. Like we can do things about this. And that doesn't matter if you had a baby seven weeks ago or seven years ago or 37 years ago we can stop your incontinence from happening. And it's really important that you do that. One, because nobody likes to pee their pants. Like, despite what Adam Sandler said, like, peeing your pants is not cool. (laughs) Wasn't Happy Gilmore? Anyway. You're aging yourself with your references. I mean, I get them because you and I are the same age, but... Well, kids, go watch... Go watch on the on the Netflix. I'm like, if it if it's not <laughs> 90s, it's not relevant in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, same seas. So, <laughs> being in your pants is cool. I'm Miles Davis. You're welcome. Um, but despite that little gem of wisdom there, Adam Sandler, um, peeing your pants is not cool. But also, it can lead to things like, um, you know, shame and withdrawal. Right. So you're not going to these functions like you don't go you don't dance at weddings anymore because you don't want to pee your pants. Um, You don't go out and like um, have too many drinks because you're going to pee your pants or um, a lot of women stop exercising because that's probably the most common time. Like when you jump or run or do all of these impact things and you pee your pants. And so we just start to avoid it. And isn't that easy to do anyway, because we don't have time for it anyway. So we just start to avoid that. And. And then if we take this back a whole nother step and we look at this like broad view, when we stop exercising, right? Like that's not great for our heart health, okay? And the number one disease that kills women is heart disease. So if we can link, and and there's a study out there that says 20% of women stop exercising because of urinary incontinence. Whoa. Yes. That's a, that's a, big, that's a much bigger percentage than I would have had imagined. Yes. And so that means 20% of women are not getting this benefit to their heart in preventing a disease that is the top killer of women. So like this is a big picture deal. We could also look if you stop exercising, that's no good for osteoporosis. That's no good for your mental health. Like exercise is good for you. And if something like peeing your pants is stopping you from exercising, like, oh my God, let me help you because it's manageable, but we just don't talk about it know about it and we can't like do or see things that we don't know about hence the podcast yes hence the (laughs) podcast um i want to say something because i just to make sure that we're not like sending mixed signals here and sounding you know incongruent when um because you said you had to take a break from exercise and that is a very that was a therapeutic thing for you given your current situation. But I just want to say to anyone that's dealing with adrenal issues, you might need to reevaluate your relationship to movement and to exercise while you recover. But that doesn't necessarily mean that exercise is going to be forever off the table for you. You know, like we, we do need to move our bodies. Excellent point. 
Um, there is something that you have said quite a few times, and that's the word shame. Mm. And you also said that child, you know, when you were discussing prehab for surgery or prehab for childbirth, childbirth is a big deal. We don't treat childbirth like it's a big deal. It's like mm-hmm. this thing that just happens and you are supposed to be like all done back in ship shape within six weeks. Like it's a thing that you ha- it happens and then that's it, right? And it's bizarre because our, our, our pelvic floor region is like quite literally this channel for life. Mm-hmm. And yet it's the place, like this is how we bring new life into the world. And it's this place that we carry so much shame and so much fear. You're saying these like emotions are embedded in the pelvic floor. So if you're working with somebody and you start to pick up on that, or they're telling you that with their actual words, where I think, I think a lot of women can relate to this. So what do, how do we start to unpack that? Uh, you know, slowly and carefully it's, we are all come to these points in our lives with different levels of awareness, comfort, and support. So if you're emotionally drained, this hit you like a blindsided, you know, slap to the face, and it's, you know, you don't have those the stores to deal with these things, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just starting to face these things that came up, you know, from pelvic work, or, you know, I've done some some releases in the pelvic region and tears spring to people's eyes and they're like, I don't know why I'm crying or even just breathing. You know, whenever we start to move the breath because the the diaphragm and the pelvic floor need to play nice together, um, which is a whole nother thing. But even when people I've helped, you know, teach people how to like drop their breath out of this anxious upper chest breathing into this quiet, calm belly breathing, because the side note, first place people go when we start to do breathing exercises, I'm like, okay, you know, try to drop the breath like out of your upper chest and into your belly. And then all of a sudden we get these big, like, I call them like these big glorious like yoga breaths. And I'm like, no, no, no. Now we're going to come back to the middle because we're not going to go around like, like diaphragmatically breathing all day, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I don't. Um, And once they like land in the center again, in the center of their pelvis, in the center of their breath, in their low belly, once they land there, so many times just like tears um, pop up or they, they like get blissed out and they are like, I I feel like finally relaxed. I feel like something let go. And, you know, we just sit with that, you know, you have to be in a comfortable space to deal with that. And that's where this Institute of Birth Healing, um, the Certified Birth Healing Specialist, what I love about this program um, with Lynn Schulte is that she goes there. She's like, you need to learn how to hold space. So you need to do this work yourself, right? That's nothing new in the practitioner world, right? You you can only go as far as you've gone yourself. (laughs) So if you you know, find this in a person, you have to have found it in yourself first. And luckily for me, I don't know, I've been on that journey and walked a lot of places pretty far down some paths. Um, But that doesn't mean I've done everything. But whenever we do unlock these emotions, it's okay, but it's scary. And we sit with it. And you can choose to face it 
and go, or you can choose to step back and say, no, not yet. But what I encourage people strongly not to do is to say, no, never. You know, it doesn't have to be done today, but please take the time to like reflect back inward again and, you know, uncover, unearth and heal. Um, because like you said, this is the birth is a wildly energetic event and things can get embedded. Even like if you were in the hospital and someone made a snide remark while you were in the middle of pushing and you felt like you weren't pushing the right way, that can get emotionally embedded into our minds and into our bodies. So yeah, it's, it's not uncommon and yes, it's scary. And yes, like you can move through it, but I, I, you know, not, not everyone works the same way, but I, I want everyone to move through that in a way that feels supported to them, whether that's having someone with you, or if you are a person who needs alone time, but knowing that someone's still in your corner, like cheering you on from, from the clinic and you're at home, like we need yeah. to move. Yeah. And I think that is all I was like getting goosebumps and like tears when you were talking about that. And I think that's an important distinction too. Like I didn't, I, I, in hindsight, now that I've learned more, I wish I had had more support built in pre-birth, post-birth. Uh, but the actual giving birth, I would not have wanted. I know so everybody's so different. I, I just wanted my husband and nobody else. I did not. I was so grateful for the nurses that were there. But I think for me, having a doula wouldn't. But that's I'm more. I don't know. That that was that's like me, very specific to me. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't have had any support. You know, yeah. I was just like on my own for a while. Yeah. Um, just like the, trying to like listen to meditations <laughs> before I gave birth, not knowing what the F to expect. Yeah. And the other thing with doulas too, because you're not alone in feeling like that. Like birth, that is like a personal, personal, like if you don't feel like if you can poop in front of somebody, don't invite them into your birthing space um, <laughs> because you're going to poop while birthing. Um, it's, but doulas are, like an encyclopedia of knowledge. This is what I'm currently encouraging. Like even in these COVID times, if your doula can't come into the hospital room with you, you should still talk with a doula to learn about birth, to learn about what the evidence supports, to learn about what practices are out there. Because they're like, choose the birth that's right for you. And you're like, okay, what are my options? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I would like to birth a healthy child and feel good. How do I go there? How do I get there? (laughs) Right. And also having a plan, but like not being so attached to that plan that it's going to feel traumatic if you have to deviate from the plan because, hey, guess what? You probably will. (laughs) I know. that's Planning is priceless. Plans are worthless. (laughs) It's good. That's That's a good one. There's some life advice for you, kiddos. (laughs) All right, Annie, you and I could keep chatting all afternoon, but... We don't have the time. So I'm going to send people, if they want to hear more about all this stuff, send people to your podcast, The Postpartum Revolution. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Um, Folks can also find you at fullbloomwellness603.com. Same deal for Instagram and Facebook, fullbloomwellness603. Or I should say 603. So tell us a little bit more about what people can what kind of support people can get from you if they're looking for it so i am here to um support you during pregnancy postpartum 
early postpartum um, and with physical therapy, you know, we do like a quote unquote normal PT assessment. I look at your movement. I look at your strength. You know, I look at your breathing patterns and um, all of that kind of in your posture because nursing changes posture, all of that stuff. And we look at that musculoskeletal system to get it feeling better. Um, we look at the pelvic bony alignment, the pelvic floor muscle tone, and then through this, you know, birth healing, instituted birth healing work, like we also look at the location of some of the organs, you know, like the bladder, is it shifted? Did the stomach get pressed up into the diaphragm? Um, you know, all of these different things and just kind of rebalancing the abdominals and the pelvic floor and the bones. And this can be done for pretty much any person. Once you're, once you've birthed a child, you're always postpartum. And there's a, a pattern, it's called the open birthing pattern where, cause our pelvic bones shift to birth, to carry and birth a child. And did they shift back to normal and balanced? Maybe, maybe not. Um, usually not because we don't allow our time to rest. We don't have these, um, you know, in other cultures, those first 40 days, like the woman doesn't lift a finger you know, the baby is brought to her. The house is run by in-laws or sisters or whatever. Um, but that's not our culture. So we're not allowed that time to heal, which means there's a strong chance that we didn't get back, put back together, <laughs> you know, like Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> um, and so what I, another thing that I see and that I really want to drive home to new moms is like, we have this other idea of like, oh, I'll fix myself when I'm done having kids because childbirth is just going to break me and I'll deal with it later. Please reconsider because after that first child, you know, your pelvis can be in this open birthing pattern, which means like your sits bones, one of them is like swayed out to the side and something else is rotated. And then what I hear is like, oh yeah, my first pregnancy, my first birth was fine, no big deal. And now my now I'm in my second pregnancy and I'm in pain. I have back pain. I have hip pain that was different. This is different than my first pregnancy. And yes, because your body is in a physically different state than when you carried your first child. So really early and often as far as support and I, I use, you know, hands-on techniques to rebalance these muscles, um, kind of energetic work to release sphincters and, and, you know, improve the alignment of organs and function and all of that stuff. But they're all super gentle. They feel really good. And then exercises because, yeah, we got to retrain these muscles, build the foundation before you jump back into your strength program. So all of that. I, I'm here to guide all of that. And then in the pregnancy world, teaching you where your pelvic floor is, how it contracts, how it relaxes, how it, you can set yourself up for success in the postpartum period. And then I will connect you with anyone you need. Like I am on your side. I am here to advocate for you. I am team mom, a hundred percent. Yes. Babies need our love and our care. And when mom is loved and cared for, the baby is too. So I am team mom all the way you can email or you know find me on the socials any questions and i can help you even if you're not in my area i'll help you find support where you are oh, okay thank you annie so much <laughs> and i think i'm gonna you know obviously i'm gonna let people know ahead of time that this conversation isn't just for new moms or pregnant people this is for like this is for everybody, really. This mm -hmm. is for everybody. I'm six years postpartum, and this was stuff that I, I didn't even know that I needed to work on until I started chatting with you. So 
Thank you for all of that. And then the last place that, or the last thing that I'll queue up for you is the beauty counter team. If, if folks are interested in joining our kind of like our wellness pod of beauty counter, we're game, we're open. You can reach out to Annie to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, because it it ties right in. Like you said, you know, if we're talking about hormone wellness, we have to talk about the beauty industry because it's unregulated. It's full of toxic chemicals that we are slathering on our skin and things like adrenal imbalances and postpartum depletion um, and all of these things like that, that list of, you know, cortisol imbalances. Like, is it because, you know, things, the environmental toxins are contributing Like, we don't know. I think yes, but nobody's even looking. And that's what pisses me off. Like, the FDA isn't even doing a damn thing to regulate or, like, test for these things. We're just not looking because that's not profitable. And that is bullshit. So, I will say one one thing just, like, from, like, a nerdy perspective is that all hormones are made in mitochondria. Remember, you know, Mm. like little seventh grade science, the powerhouse of the cell. That's where hormones are made, including cortisol. Um, And mitochondria are extremely sensitive to any type of chemical environmental toxin, any of them. So if these little guys are struggling, then your hormones are going to struggle. So it's like, this is something that I screen for in all of my clients is this, this toxic load. And it doesn't matter if you're buying there's so many things that we cannot control in terms of environmental toxins but this is something personal care products is something that we absolutely can it is absolutely within our control for mm-hmm. us and for our, our kiddos um and it doesn't matter if you're you know buying beauty counter or not but what does matter what what annie and i do advocate for is that you got to find something clean non-toxic and th- I think the reason that I gravitate towards beauty counters, well, the products are amazing, but because they advocate for legislative change. Yeah, exactly. I am all for the advocacy and the products. Like you said, they perform well, you know, like they're good. <laughs> they're good, so, right? <laughs> so I'm in like, it's not only good for me, it's actually like, like I just used their shampoo and conditioner. I got those for the first time. The shampoo like lathered up all nice and the conditioner left my hair like actually smooth and not frizzy in the summer heat. And I was like, well, bonus. Right. Especially <laughs> if you're used to using like health food store, sh- like that's yes. what I used for so long. I'm like, well, this actually doesn't work. This is like, does it work for me? <laughs> I know. That's all. That's been my heartbreak. I'm like, this isn't sudsy and my hair still feels like tangle tangled up and like not smooth so i was just like all right healthy shampoo cool sad Sad face but beauty counter is healthy shampoo and it works really well so happy face and not like (laughs) we're not i I was thinking about doing another business podcast just chatting about like business and stuff but right now it's very important if you run your own business like myself and annie to have multiple income streams Mm -hmm. just for longevity for you know, like it's really, really important as a business to have multiple income streams. I'll just keep it at that. And so this is something that both you and I utilize as an income stream to our wellness business and it, and it really fits quite seamlessly. in. so shout out to the wellness pros out there, reach out to myself or Annie and uh, we can get the ball rolling. So Annie, thank you so much. I'll link up to all of your goodies. You guys check out her podcast. She's doing a lot of interviews with some really cool people and they're all conversations that you're going to want to check out. Thank you so much, Erin. It's been so fun 
talking with you and thank you for spreading this so important message both for the hormones and the postpartum and pregnancy world like yes we need more strong women voices in the arena and yours is one of them and i'm so happy to uh know you likewise thanks for joining us for this episode of the functional nutrition podcast if you'd like to submit a question to the show fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com if you like what you hear don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in itunes take care of you 